today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So, for example, through the pandemic, our sales, our sales for new products uh, on digital are now 50% of our overall sales. Before, it used to be close to the 20, 25%. So we've actually seen a significant uptick in the use of our digital capabilities. When I think about payments, our Zelle platform, which is obviously across a number of banks, has seen an uptick about 73% in usage year on year as customers have said, look, I'd rather not go and work with checks right now. There's physical paper involved. Let me actually sort of do something that's more digital. Let me try this thing out. And so they've tried it. And once they've tried it, they're hooked. And so we've seen a significant uptick in adoption of things like mobile check deposit or Zelle for P2P payments. Uh, and Erica, uh, which is uh, our uh, ability for our customer to, in a natural language fashion, interact with us as opposed to having to physically be somewhere to have those questions answered. This is Zach Miller, founder and editor at Tearsheet. I wanted to invite you to Tearsheet's latest event, the Day-to-Day Conference. A big theme on this program and in our reporting has been about how financial data is the underpinning of modern financial services. From data aggregation to using big data to comb through customer behavior, financial ecosystems are growing up around banks and fintechs through data aggregators. The Day-to-Day Conference brings together financial services, fintech, and vertical industries looking to create new financial products and services through leveraging customer data in their own firms and across the entire industry. We've got a great speaker lineup. Register today by going to our website and clicking on the Day-to-Day Conference button at the top right of your screen. Tearsheet's Day-to-Day 2021 Conference is sponsored by Pfizer, Plaid, MX, Finicity, and Argyle. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. Hari Gopal Krishnan is the client-facing platforms technology executive for Bank of America Merrill. He's responsible for leading the development of the next generation of integrated technology solutions for the company's consumer and wealth management client-facing channels. He also manages the bank's websites and e-commerce initiatives. Hari joins me on the podcast to talk about Erica, the firm's AI-driven virtual financial assistant. We talk about where it's come from and where it's headed with an insightful look on how customers used it during the past year. Hari describes some of the important customer-facing initiatives Bank of America has underway. Hari Gopal Krishnan is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Uh, My name is Hari Gopal Krishnan, and uh, I work for Bank of America as part of our global technology and operations team. Um, I have the privilege every day of working on capabilities and technologies that help our customers lead their financial lives better. And what that means is a whole range of technical capabilities, uh, ranging from high tech, which is think about when you open up your mobile app, when you go into online banking, when you're at a point of sale trying to use your credit card, all the way to high touch solutions, such as when you call a call center and an agent actually picks up and is trying to work on solving your problems, or an an advisor who's trying to advise you through what you need in life. Uh, My team is responsible for working very closely with customers, with our line of business partners, and everyone else involved in delivering great quality products to our customers. And uh, it's been an awesome journey. Amazing. So it sounds like that includes consumer, small business, also the, the Merrill side of the house? Yeah. I mean, essentially, we cover what we call our people businesses. So mm-hmm. think of it as uh, retail, all the way from retail consumer, where you could just be coming out of college or just having your first account opened up all the way into wealth management, where perhaps uh, you are now looking for things like estate planning advice. And somewhere in the middle, you may be an up-and-coming mass affluent customer 
who wants to get into the markets and wants to explore uh, how to use uh, market products like stocks and bonds to help you plan for retirement or college. And then small businesses that are, again, looking for ways in which, uh, and uh, as I'm sure we'll touch upon with the pandemic, is just uh, ways in which they can actually manage their businesses more effectively uh, through appropriate financing. So all the technology capabilities across that spectrum is uh, what my team's working on. Got it. And before we jump into um, some of those capabilities, I'm just also curious how the team is structured. How big is uh, the technology organization? So across Bank of America, uh, the global technology and operations team. So we actually are structured to connect the two together very closely mm-hmm. because we think those go hand in hand. Uh, the, the broader team is 95,000 teammates. And uh, obviously that's broken down into multiple subgroups based upon various areas of focus. Great. And, and, your, and your organization that you run, how, how large is that? Uh, my organization is about 4,000 strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's t- use that and start talking about, uh, you, you alluded to, to my first question, I guess, how your clients um, have fared through this, through this uh, crazy time uh, this past year. Um, and I, obviously, I guess, you know, if we can, we can segment those between, I guess, you know, commercial clients and, and retail clients. Um, yeah, it's obviously been uh, a very challenging time for our customers and clients, and it goes across the whole spectrum. And what we've tried to do in this time is do what we can to help them uh, work through it. So that ranges from um, ways in which uh, we can help customers defer a loan that they need to pay. So uh, our CEO, Brian Moynihan, a long time back, uh, had uh, offered up capabilities where you can come in and tell us that uh, you're unable to make your credit card payment this month and would like to therefore defer it and push it out a couple of months. Same with a mortgage or auto loan. And we had to set, build a set of capabilities that let our customers come in and safely and securely uh, make those requests and have them provisioned for them. Uh, as various stimulus programs have come in, uh, making sure that we're able to uh, process the customer's payments, get it into their accounts in a timely fashion, and make sure they have their money to lead their day-to-day lives. But also as customers got a little re- reluctant to perhaps be involved in environments that there was high touch involved, making sure our digital platforms could step up and help that journey. So for example, through the pandemic, our sales our sales for new products uh, on digital are now 50% of our overall sales. Before, it used to be close to the 20, 25%. So we've actually mm-hmm. seen a significant uptick in the use of our digital capabilities. When I think about payments, our Zelle platform, which is uh, obviously across a number of banks, has seen an uptick of about 73% in usage year on year as customers have said, look, I'd rather not go and work with checks right now. There's physical paper involved. Let me actually sort of do something that's more digital. Let me try this thing out. And so they've tried it. And once they've tried it, they're hooked. And so we've seen a significant uptick in adoption of things like mobile check deposit or Zelle for P2P payments. Uh, and Erica, uh, which is uh, our uh, ability for a customer to, in a natural language fashion, interact with us as opposed to having to physically be somewhere to have those questions answered. And on the small business side, as uh, there have been a set of programs that were set up um, to help our small businesses, uh, we've actually created platforms uh, to help our small business owners come in, uh, make a request for a loan, have it digitally processed, and turn around and deliver them uh, the money they need to continue running and operating their day-to-day businesses. So it's really been across that whole gamut. Uh, we probably have seen significant reduction in technology cycle time mm-hmm. as we've seen new demand coming from customers, 
from uh, third parties and others. And uh, again, it's just been an incredible journey and it's been very rewarding to see the impact that it's had on our customers' lives. Wow. And Hari, do you think that those changes, um, obviously you don't have a crystal ball, but do you think they're permanent changes like these, these shifts to digital? It's a, it's a great question. Maybe one um, interesting point I can offer you is that uh, before the pandemic, while we had you know really good digital adoption, we still saw a part of the demographic that uh, still said, you know what, I, I, whether it be the boomers or the seniors would probably say I'm less likely, I kind of like going to the branch or I like to talk to an agent. And what happened with the pandemic is we made it so easy for them to try it once. And the feedback we received, and we've seen it both as uh, qualitative feedback and quantitative in terms of the percent uptick in the numbers we're seeing across those demographic is they're hooked. I mean, they're like, oh, this is that easy? You know, I was always worried that this mobile thing, the digital thing is like hard and I'm going to have to learn how to navigate a complicated app and I'm going to have to click on seven buttons. And they take a, you know, make a Zelle payments. I mean, you pull from your contacts and say, I owe Zach 20 bucks. Two seconds later, it's gone. And Zach says, thanks for the 20 bucks. And they're like, wow, it's that easy? And what we're seeing is we're establishing sort of muscle memory coming out of it that I think actually are going to stick for the long term. Now, some things may come back. And so, you know, if you want to make a large uh, mortgage purchase and you want to talk to someone for some advice as to the three different loan options you have, maybe you certainly would want to go back and talk to someone. But in many scenarios, especially when it comes to basic transactions and basic servicing, where historically customers in certain demographics felt like I'm more comfortable talking to someone. They've realized it is so easy, especially with things like natural language processing and Erica and other things. They're hooked, and we're seeing them as repeat customers. They're repeatedly using the platform, and we're seeing exponential growth in those areas. Yeah, I really like that that thinking of like that initial trial or introduction to the to the tools as being sort of the the low hurdle that people need to get on board to using them more frequently. I, li I like that concept. Um, so can we talk about Erica specifically? Uh, I know we heard from a lot of guests on, on this program, you know, when, when the pandemic first hit and, and branches were being shut, telephone wait times were up really, you know, in the hours for some, some smaller banks. Um, can you talk about, I guess, where Eric, the, the role Erica played, I guess, in, in Bank of America's um, strategy during the pandemic? Yeah, and maybe if I can sort of rewind the clock a little yeah. bit and talk a little bit about what, you know, envisioned us into thinking about Erica. I mean, it starts with a recognition that no one ever woke up and said, I can't wait to go banking today. <laughs> That's really what I love doing, right? I don't think any human being ever said those words. And given that, we felt that there were a couple of things that we needed to do for our customers to really sort of take it to the next level in our engagement with them. The first is we were putting so much functionality into a five-inch screen that often our customers would say, I just can't find this stuff. I'm sure it's there. I'm sure I can reorder a checkbook if I wanted to. I'm sure if I can report a claim if I wanted to, but I don't know where to find it. It's just so many mm -hmm. things in here. I'm just better off with sort of walking in and calling someone. So the idea that rather than hunting and pecking menus, you could just speak to the machine in the way that you spoke as a human being. And the, hum the machine would understand human language, not like machine language. We're not teaching the human to be more like a machine. We're teaching the machine to be more like a human. That's the power of the natural language processing, the first step of what we're trying to do. The second step was kind of delighting customers through insights that they otherwise may not have gleaned themselves. And that could range from like, you know, Zach, you realize like the way you spend normally this month, actually you've been spending a little more aggressively in the first two weeks. And based on that spend path, you may have a cash flow situation two weeks from now. 
not something a typically uh, advisor that you hire may actually do for you, not like a machine that watches your stuff for you. I mean, a classic one that's been super popular, and I know I've benefited from it, is things like watching over your recurring transactions and seeing when something's off. Like for me, it was uh, my son had a monthly gym membership. And uh, sure enough, like one month, it was triple charged where he was being charged three times the amount. And I would have probably taken a statement cycle or two to look at it. But out came Erica saying, by the way, this month, your membership to X seems to be far larger than you normally do. Do you want to check it out? And I did. And there it was. And so the number of customers that have seen that and say, this is amazing because it actually helps me manage my financial life. It keeps an eye out for my financials when I'm too busy doing other things like leading my own life. So it's those two constructs that have really propelled us to why we built Erica. And then sort of come back to your question. When the pandemic struck, we found our customers actually asking us about questions about the pandemic. Like, how do I, you know, and they, they wouldn't say it like, how do I defer a payment to a credit card, right? That's like bank speak. Mm-hmm. They would just say things like, I'm affected by the pandemic. How can you help? And we had like over 6,000 different intents that people came to us with coronavirus, covid a pandemic related terms. And what we pretty quickly turned around was a set of language training that we put the machine through where now it could be helpful. It could actually say, hey, Zach, actually, you know what? We have an ability for you to defer your payment. Would you like to do that? And Zach would be like, oh yeah, sure. Take me there. And we take him to the screen. And next thing you know, you made a deferral for a payment. So this idea of like being there, being helpful, being uh, contemporary, and updated all the time. So we have weekly tuning cycles on the platform. We have monthly new features that go in. And it's this always learning, always adjusting to what your customers are going through and what they're getting through is something that we found to be extremely powerful in the last 12 months. That's very interesting. And I'm curious how, how you and your team define a successful interaction with Erica. Like, what, Is there a metric or an outcome um, that you would describe as success? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, right? There's a couple of different ones. One is we look for accuracy for useful answers. And that's actually a lot harder than it sounds. Uh, we're right now at about 90% accuracy for useful answers we provide to questions. And um, it's a combination of art and science. The art part of it is understanding the journey of what the customer started asking for and understanding if that journey completed through that conversation on the other side of it. Um, so we have a view of saying, if, if, if I were to say, I want to send uh, Joe $20, and the end of the outcome is Joe got $20 sent, and there were maybe a couple of more questions asked, like which account do you want to send it from? Is it Joe Smith or Joe Doe? Um, those are all intermediate dialogues, but eventually Joe got 20 bucks. That's a completed transaction and a useful answer. So that's sort of the art of it, because it's not exact science. Sometimes it's hard to tie the original insight a request from the original action, but that's one part of it. The second thing we just did is added simple things like you can thumbs up or thumbs down, mm-hmm. whether a certain interaction yielded value or didn't yield value. And that's very explicit binary, right? At the end of the interaction, you go, yep, it helped, thumbs up, it didn't help, thumbs down. And so you put up all those art and science combinations and you know we're about 90% accuracy for useful answers, which uh, actually is remarkable. I mean, we, when we started the journey, we probably were at 65, 70. And you know, it's continuous tuning always sort of understanding what customers are saying, the way they speak, the language, um, understanding like the type of terms that are being used now versus when they were being used before and continually learning from that. Yeah, Ari, it sounds like one of the things you've learned along the way is to be able to translate customer speak into what they really intend to do with the bank. Um, 
and that's that's helped you get to that ninety percent level. Are there other things you've you've learned along the way um, that maybe you didn't know when you first started out with Erica? Yeah, on, on the first one, I would say just to emphasize that one, it's you're absolutely right, right? If this was that easy, where you could just you know turn on a box and it could understand banking and fifty different ways a customer could ask a question, it would be easy and everybody would be doing it. But it was sort of the fact that we could kind of listen in on years of call center, like understand how do customers talk in the call center? What kind mm. of pain points do they have? When they actually sort of hunt and peck through the menus that we have, um, you know, what are they looking for? Um, what do we see in the app store feedback, right? And we have the luxury of feedback in so many different channels. It's all about taking that in and having the learning applied, not human, but like how do you train the model? How do you train the sort of engine to actually talk banking to a customer. Let's not get the customer to learn how the machine works back to my original point. So right. that was certainly uh, very interesting. I think other many other things like when we started the journey, we have the ability to do touch, type, or text. So you can either like just do gestures, you could be typing, or you could use your voice. And you know we made some assumptions as to client behavior, right? Because we didn't know there was no banking agent out there. We didn't know how often someone would use voice versus text versus gesture. And you know, we learned a lot along the way as to how to design a client experience that uh, always made sure that our clients and customers knew their privacy was protected, that we're not going to blurt out a bunch of stuff that they could be sort of like, whoa, I don't want to hear that here. Um, and we would always make sure that, you know, they could opt into things that, that they could opt into. And the navigation was sort of easy to use. It's so important to make sure it's easy to use. You can have a natural language agent, but if it looks clunky, if it feels clunky, it just doesn't work. And so we've constantly iterated to make sure there's a compelling experience that invites you into it, the sense that you want to come in repeatedly and be able to use it. So, And that's why we've got 19 million customers, of which 11 million of them actually are 90-day active, which means they've come in in the last 90 days. And that's a cycle that's continuing, which is customers that try it pretty much stay on it. And we're repeatedly seeing customers come back in because it's that straightforward, that easy to use, but we continue to enhance it every single time. We have about 6,000 plus rich UI screen variations because based on whether you're seeing a bar chart or a calendar or a different view, you just want to feel like you're getting sort of a rich experience. And so a lot of that tuned over time and we'll continue tuning over time. Uh, can we look a little bit out into the future? So, you know, it sounds like, you know, usage of Erica is ramping. You guys have learned a lot. Um, customers are getting a lot of value out of it. Where, where, what are what are you looking to? Where are you looking to take Erica in the near future? Uh, you know, it's always about sort of being more relevant to a customer. Right? It, it always starts with that. And there's a couple of ways in which we can be more relevant. The first is obviously continue to sort of learn a given customer's need through implicit things based on behavior and drive personalization based on that. So, for example, if you were a habitual, I come in on Saturday mornings always to pay my bills. But typically when I'm coming in on Tuesday or Thursday, I'm looking to see like what my credit card rewards are. If I kind of know those behaviors of you, can I actually render a personalized experience that sort of delights you by knowing and anticipating what you're coming in for? And that's sort of the implicit part of personalization. The second part, though, the explicit part is where we've just as part of a long-term partnership, because we're not in it for transactions, right? We're not trying to just say, come in, send Joe the 20 bucks and you're done. That's what we're here for. We're just a bank to move money around because, you know, a lot of people can do that. Uh, it's about sort of understanding what, what are your life plans? You know, what are you trying to get done, right? And, and typically, um, everybody has a plan, right? Someone wants to retire in five years. Someone's got a kid to put through college, aging parents, you know, pick your favorite things or 
things you need to get done. And so we've started this program uh, called Life Plan, which is literally that. We ask our customers, tell us about a little bit about yourself. What are your priorities? What are your life plans? And we were delighted to see that within the first couple of months of launching, we had two and a half million customers that actually came in and said, let, let me tell you about my life plans. Now, imagine how powerful that is between the uh, implicit of what I know about you and the explicit of what you told me are important to you. I can now start to provide you with valuable insight and advice that are catered to you, Zach, versus me, Hari, versus Joe or whoever, right? So it's the sort of ongoing investment and personalization based on implicit and explicit things, always with the permission of the customer, uh, is very exciting. And the second thing I would say is, I mentioned the words high tech and high touch. We strongly believe that the two will always exist and coexist because eventually at some point, it's great that the machine does a bunch of stuff, but you really want to talk to a human being. Maybe, you know, you've had a loss in the family. You need help. I mean, yeah, the machine will tell you what forms to bring to the bed, but you need to talk to someone. So the ability to seamlessly bridge a high-tech channel with a high-tech channel. How do you bring in chat? How do you bring in, in the future video? How do you bring in collaboration and screen sharing and all those capabilities so that you can seamlessly bring an associate teammate in and out of the conversation? So you're best served by both the human and the machine at the same time. So those are probably a couple of areas I would call out as uh, areas we're looking at. And I know we've spent a lot of time, Hari, during our conversation, you know, focused on Erica, but um, I know you touched other, you know, customer facing technology points. I'm curious to know, or if, if you're open to sharing other initiatives that you have um, that are sort of top of mind for you and your team in the bank um, that you're working on now. Um, yeah, a couple of things I would um, highlight there. First is obviously, you know, streamlining and making payments a lot easier for our customers is something that is always uh, on our, our radar. Um, and uh, we recently uh, launched our merchant services platform. So our small business merchants can actually benefit from having full end-to-end -end servicing of everything they do. And so our customers and clients can also benefit from that. So think of sort of payments, how we streamline payments. I mentioned the 73% uptick with Zelle. That's just scratching the surface, right? It's still too, in my opinion. Um, you still have to be somewhat of a techie to sort of engage in P2P payments, right? I don't know if I'd go to my dad or mom and say, yeah, go ahead and do the Zelle thing. And I, I could teach them that, but making it so simple, so easy, so ubiquitous that every time you want to go to a party, you're running late, you don't run to the store to get a gift card. You just go in and almost create this virtual gift card and boom, it's gone. Every time you want to contribute to a charity, you just go into Zelle and you go, boom, it's, it's done, right? So I think kind of creating more um, engaging client experiences around payments is certainly one thing that uh, we're very focused on. The other thing I'd say is uh, turning the same technology, and we've doing, been doing this for some time, but you know, doubling down our investment to just drive even more digitization for our associates and teammates on the high-tech side. So things like an Erica for associates, we've already done that for a few segments of our associates, but being able to drive the optimizations, the efficiencies, straight through processing, natural language search, all the cool stuff that our customers now expect, doing that for internal teammates so that we are sort of world-class both internally and externally, and can in doing so drive great end-to-end -end solutions for our customers. And I'm curious, I'm gonna ask you a little bit of personal question. It's a personal business question, but um, your biggest opportunities or challenges um, in your role uh, headed into the rest of 2021? I think just uh, being cognizant of where our customers are, are in their journey, 
you know, um, there's, there's so much going on right now in customers' lives where they are, uh, you know, uh, whether it be with uh, what's going to happen with small businesses as the P2P program continues, you know, what are customers going to need from a financial product standpoint? What are the experiences? How comfortable are they going to be with in a physical digital experiences? So I think just uh, being really sensitive to um, a very, very challenging time for our customers and being able to be agile and nimble. And we've shown that remarkably well in the last 12 months, but I think we're in for our next set of you know, opportunities and challenges as we sort of uh, em- em- emerge out of the pandemic. And I think it's going to require us to be just as agile and nimble to anticipate a bunch of stuff and to be able to react to those things that we don't anticipate because that's the way the reality is going to be. Totally is. Hari, great talking to you. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Great. Thank you for having me, Zach.